Well, y'all love God? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> now, I got an apology to make. Maybe I don't. I don't really know. Sometimes I go home on Wednesday night when I'm preaching on living right. And I ask myself this question. <clears throat> do I sound angry? Sometimes I think I do. Sometimes I, I get real passionate about things because I know what happens if you don't obey God. I've been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. And I've seen people destroy their lives. And so I may get a little passionate about stuff like living right, especially in society as it is today. Now, I'm going to be preaching on the blessings of obedience tonight because I want you to understand something about obeying God. You know, in the, in the class, in the school, where we've been talking about righteousness and who you are in Christ. But that doesn't obliterate, obliter do away with <laughs> obeying God. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to obey God. What you, what you sow, you reap. Sow corn, don't pray for wheat. It's not coming up. But, the, but society today has turned from truth, and it's turned from character. And a lot of church people have too. Now, I need to say something to you because I want you to understand, as a pastor, it, it does affect me when I hear people say, I don't want to hear it. I want you to know it does affect me. Because what is it you don't want to hear? I understand that it would be nice if there was no devil. It would be nice, and it will be. And it would be nice if there weren't bad people. It would be nice if we lived in the 50s right now where we could leave our house and not lock our homes and kids could trick or treat. But we're not there. We don't live there. And we can't stuff our head in the dirt and pretend like we do live there. So I'm going to make a statement while I get into the, the blessings of obedience. There was a teaching a few years ago that went out around America about evangelism. And it went like this. Don't preach at your relatives. Just love them. Well, truth is love. But I know people who have been loved on for 10 or 15 or 20 years and they're still not saved. Now, the reason they're not saved is no one's talking to them. Because you know, and I know, and they know, the minute you bring up truth, they're liable to be a fight. And nobody wants to get in a fight with your in-laws, your outlaws, and your relatives, or anybody for that matter. But still, that doesn't mean that we don't need to be talking about some stuff. You know, if you're going to Jesus said, let your light shine, he wasn't talking about your face. He's talking about your mouth. He's talking about letting truth shine. And he says, if they hate you, they hated me. Now, see, I think we're not ready. I don't think the church is really ready for society. And I want you to do something, because lately, uh, Lois and, um, and Cindy gave me a book yesterday by Rick Renner, another book on the last day, Survival. I, uh, I woke up this morning. I was telling somebody a while ago, um, I haven't used my fireplace I cranked it up this morning. I, I, I got the logs in it. 
pulled the chair over there, got my coffee out. and Well, Lisa had the house so cold, I was, I was about to freeze in the living room. And, and you know, she, she knows it's going to warm up someday, but it just didn't by this morning anyway. So it was a good excuse to crank up the fireplace and just sat and read his book. I love reading books that challenge my character. I do. I also think that I'm not the only person on this planet that feels that way. I, I love someone challenging my character. I, I'm not offended at all by someone looking at me saying, you can do that better. You could, you could get closer. You can draw near to God. I know that I'm not legalistic in it, but I do love praying and I do love spending time with God and I do love witnessing and getting people saved. And, um, I, and so because of that, I know that I know that I know that this generation right now has got to have a good dose of truth. I had a letter from someone not too long ago that wrote me and says, you have your truth and I have mine. I didn't write her back, but I wanted to let her know I don't have truth. I don't have, I don't, I have his truth, but I don't have a truth. And you don't have a truth either. You have a lie. Jesus is truth. Now we're going to have to go back to picking up our Bibles. And you're going to have to go back to the standard because no matter what society says, this hasn't changed one word. Someone said, I liked it in the 50s. Well, that's because people were moral. You can have the 50s now, start in your house, get the 50s going in your house. Are you all out there? So I want to talk about the blessings of obedience because we have a society today that feels that if I'm a Christian and I go to church, then I love God. And if I love God, I can just pray and he'll fix everything no matter whether I'm doing what he says or not. Folks, I'm pastoring. I'm telling you all the truth. That's not true. And I've said in 30 years, I've watched people belly up. I've watched people die early. I've watched people go through messes they didn't need to go through. And so I felt responsible for that. I thought, well, that's my fault because I'm not preaching truth. So you understand that when I preach truth, you don't go quiet on me. You can say amen when someone tells you the truth. You don't have to sit there and look like a dog at a new bowl. Amen. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. It's time we took a stand. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, the blessings of obedience, and I'm going to say it right now, the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. It's not enough to just be born again. And so we're going to get into what, it, what actually happens when you and I decide to obey God. That means you've got to look for what he wants. Won't fall on your head. You've got to make it a point, I'm going to go find out what he's wanting. And when you do, you'll have peace and you'll have joy. Joy is a byproduct of faith. All right, Hebrews 11.1, 1. let's begin. Let's, let me just pray. Father, thank you. I'm going to open up the Word of God, and we're going to talk about obeying God. 
I'm going to ask you to anoint me right now to say the right thing the right way. Now we'll walk out of here and begin to realize that faith really is just obeying you. And that, Father, you, you've, you've asked us to walk by faith and to live by faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And I thank you for freedom in this place. You said we'd know the truth. The truth set us free. I'm trusting you for freedom in us in Jesus' name. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's start there. Faith of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, and the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, and God testifying of his gifts, though, it being, though he being dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death, and was not found because God took him, and he was taken that he had this testimony, he pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, please God. For he who comes to God must believe he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of God, not yet seen, moved with godly fear, and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place in which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. We're going to have major right now for Abraham. I want you to think about the fact that God came to Abraham and told him to pack it up. I'm going to take you to another country. And I'm going to read the next verse and that explains it. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as a dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. God met Abraham and said, I want you to pack it up from Ur of the Chaldees and I want you to go to a place I'll show you. Now, I want you to think about that statement. Abraham has no Bible. He has no 700 Club, no TBN, no Bible school, no church. And here God approaches him and asks him to go somewhere, and he has no idea where he's going. What we call that is obedience. I want to say something to all of us right now about God. God will never give you an assignment that you know everything. He will always require you and I to live by faith. There will always be an element of not knowing when you're asked to do something. Because once you figure it out and you get your plan, now it's not God. So when, he read, when we read that, I want you to understand that everybody wants to have the faith of Abraham, but really what you need is the obedience of Abraham. Amen. Now, we're going to talk Sunday morning about the Holy Ghost and being led by the Holy Ghost because the church, the world needs Jesus, but the church needs to be full of the Holy Ghost. That's the key to the last days. That's the key. But, you know, when we start talking about being full, full of the Holy Ghost, that takes faith in God. 
And, and so even though the world needs Jesus, you know, we need to understand that when you step into a church and people come to church and they say, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, and I love Jesus, and I love God, and I'm praying about what he wants me to do, much of the time, people have a plan that is not God. They didn't pray about it. They just came and said, hey, God, you know, what was it Dennis the Menace said to his dad, him and Joey, we're going to Dairy Queen. Would you like to go? <clears throat> In other words, if you don't go, we're not going. So, so a lot of times, and, and I'm going to tell you a story in a minute of me, all of us in here have struggled to some degree with the will of God for us. And it, there is no scripture in the Bible with your name on it that says, go do this. You're going to have to seek God to find it, and if you don't seek him, you won't find it. And you will... You'll go along just kind of flopping off like a fish out of water, hoping something just sticks to the wall, and it doesn't. You're going to have to seek God. When I, when I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew, and I hope I'm not boring you, but I'm trying to make a point that there's things you know inside that I, I knew I was called to do ministry full time, but I had no idea what it was. No idea. So when I married Lisa, I was working a secular job. And I'll be honest with you, I was probably the most miserable person you've ever met. Because I have a call and I'm not in it. And I went to the Lord and he didn't just drop it on my head. I had to get in the bedroom and pray every day for weeks on end just to get God to start showing me the next step. Now, a lot of Christians are not accustomed to that type of dedication. So they just kind of hope something works. Well, if you enjoy living your life out of your destiny, that would work real good. So faith is an act of obedience. Abraham had no idea where he was going. In Genesis 12, 1 through 4, it just says he packed up. Well, go to Genesis 12. I didn't give you that one, and I apologize. Go to Genesis 12. I want to read to you what God said to him. Now, I want you to understand when I'm reading this to you, he didn't lay out a road map about everything that would happen, and he, does, he never will. Um. I don't want to scare you, and, I, and I, I think sometimes people get scared of the will of God because I say, I came down here into Florida for the Jesus festivals. How many of y'all remember those? And I was never happier than to leave and go back to Georgia. I could smell the fish from the ocean from Orlando, and I thought it stunk. And I left and thought, ain't nothing down there but sand and smelly fish. God knows I never dreamed I'd move here. Amen. But you know, through a process of events, I ended up obeying God. And, and I'm, I'm, I, let me just stop right here and tell you a little bit of the story. When I got born again, 
the Lord dealt with me real strong to get a job and to get out of debt and to learn how to work. And he got me a job and I worked at Certainty for about three years. And I got promotion after promotion. And I, and I had no idea other than that they were grooming me from, to be a manager. And I had no idea but I would be living there and managing and, and all the rest of my life. And I had no idea when I picked up the phone one day and a lady says to me, I think you're supposed to come to Ramah. And I said to her, I don't think so. The world's going to hell and Jesus needs me. I don't have time for Bible school. That's what I said to her on the phone. Because naturally, you know, I would know the will of God because I, I, well, I didn't pray about it, but I would know more than God. And then she says, no, I think you're supposed to go. And then I called her back a few days later and we were talking again. And I finally said, well, you know, um, I, I think I'm going to go to Ramah. And this was before um, Rodney, and this is before Brother Hagin. You know, this was before people got drunk in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I was on the phone and stood there and just in my kitchen and got drunk in the Holy Ghost. And that was God's way of going, yeah, you're leaving. Now, I had a good job, and I made good money, and I was out of debt, and everything was going fine. And I had no idea I was going to pack up my little Honda behind a U-Haul and take off to Oklahoma and go to work for someone for $20 a day. But I obeyed because I, you know, I just wanted to be in the will of God. It's easier to obey God when you're broke than when you're rich. You have nothing to lose. You know, you know, I, there's nothing but up. So when I went out to Tulsa, it didn't take me long to realize that I don't like living here. This is worse than Florida. And the only person that ever gave me any attention was Tom Copeland. And God moved him in next door to me against my will. Now, he doesn't know this, but I'll tell you the story. Tom wanted to move into the same duplex as me, but my wife was the resident manager, and I told her, don't let him. Now, why did I say that? Because he's a pastor, and I wanted her to put an evangelist in. And she did. And he, him, I couldn't get that guy to slow down for five minutes and get in a two-minute conversation with me. Well, he moved in and moved out. Tom moves in against my will. And him and I developed a relationship, and for two years, we went to Raymond together every day. He drove. And if you drive with Tom Copeland, you'll get prayed up. You'll get prayed up. The man's crazy. He is. He's crazy. We were going to school one morning. The streets were frozen solid, frozen solid. It snows out there. I don't know if y'all know that. It snows and snows and snows and snows and snows. So we're coming up to a stop sign. Tom's looking at me and just preaching. He's just preaching, teaching me, telling me something in the Bible. And he's looking at me, just telling me what the Bible says, what the, and the Word says. And he starts sliding sideways. And he turns the wheel, and he's still preaching. And he slides the other way. And he looks at me and keeps preaching. And he keeps preaching. And finally, we stopped about three inches from the car in front of us. I'm about to wet my pants. Honest to God, I'm just... And he looked and said, I didn't scare you, did I? And then he continued with his sermon. And I thought, Tom, and we pulled up in front of Raymond. I said, let me out. He said, we're not parked yet. And I said, no, I, I got to go right now. I got to go in. And I ran into school. And, you know, and, and I had to, I, living with Tom, I had to stay prayed up just going anywhere with that guy. Because he just, you know, he just didn't pay any, you know, he's driving down the road and looking at me while he's driving. I'm going, road, look ahead, look ahead. Look ahead. So two, in two years with, with Tom Copeland, he's the only person that I met against my will. 
And then he moves to Orlando and starts a church and calls me. And I'm praying over all of my invitations. One. You know, God has a way of weeding out what he wants you to do. If you only get one invitation, that just might be God. So Lisa was in the church. She remembers me moving to Orlando to be a youth pastor, fully intending to, to work with Tom till, till Jesus returns. Never had any ambition to go do anything. And circumstances happened, and, and I stepped out of that church, and then word of life here, well, I went to fly in and become an evangelist. And, and I'll be honest with you. Flying airplanes and shooting lobsters seemed like the perfect will of God for me. Does that sound good to you? I mean, I wake up in the morning, go out to the beach. I had a Hawaiian sling and flippers and a mask. And every morning I went out and I shot lobster and grouper and fish and picked up conch. And you bang them out and then you get someone to make conch fritters for you. And then at night you preach the gospel. And I got to thinking, well, this is perfect. This is the will of God. And then he asked me, and I was with Melanie, and we were in uh, Haiti, and the Lord said, when you get back, they're going to ask you to take that church. And I had words with the Lord, and, and I lost that fight also. But now, I'm not telling you that because I don't like what I'm doing. I am going to tell you that God knows me better than I know me, and he knows you. But he ne he's never told me anything except the next step. I've never known the plan. I don't even know what he's doing in this church next month or next year. I have no idea. The people Lisa and I have met over the years, Mark Hankins and Mary Frances Ferrallo and the Shekinah Glory, those are all divine, in, um, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Friends. Um, what do you... Okay, I got super, those are supernatural relationships, and God brings it. You, you, you can't do that without God. He has to do it, or, or, or it just doesn't happen. And I've been places and with Kevin McNulty overseas and preached to, to 5,000 people in a tent, and I've done all kind of stuff, but it's all been a supernatural but, I've, but, but most of the time, you know, I don't even know what I'm preaching Sunday. Sometimes I know two weeks ahead. Sometimes I know Saturday night. Sometimes Sunday morning. I mean, he's just not real liberal with his information. And I mean, it's like you're, I'm praying all the time, you know. It'll give me three days head start on this thing, you know. Just, and sometimes I don't know what I'm doing even when I'm up here. And y'all have figured that out. But I'm telling you this about God, if you're going to walk with him, you're going to walk by faith and you're going to have to be willing to obey him when you don't have the answers and maybe when you don't even have any money. When I walked on this land, and I'll tell you, this was a horse pasture, I think Bob remembers that, and the man who owned it was going to put four houses on it, and they found out, he found out they were going to make him build a retention pond, and he was going to lose his shirt. So he sold me this property for $125,000. I can't even imagine what it's worth. Bob may know, or Lisa may know. It's got to be worth several million dollars right now. But when I bought it, I don't think I had $100.
And the Lord said, buy it. And I went, okay. With what? You know, and that's just the way God operates. And I think that because of that, we come up with plans. And I'm going to say this to you if you have plans. Enjoy dreaming about it, but it probably won't happen. Not the way you think it will. And, and you know, there's a scripture that says, don't say, we'll go to such and such a city and do such and such. You don't know what you're going to be doing. So the best thing is, is just, re, just go ahead and lay on the altar and tell God you'll go where he says go and do what he says do. And let him be the boss. And he has a better plan than you do. Now, I trust him and I've had to learn. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Amen. Let's read this. And, and the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family your father's house to a land I will show you. He didn't know where it was. And I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. And you'll be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you and all the families of the earth be. And so Abraham packed up his little donkeys and out the door he went. That was it. You know, and, and a lot of times we go, I want a little more information. And you don't get it. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? Leave. Where? Leave. Which direction? Walk out the door. And I'll sh- I mean, sometimes he doesn't show you till you're walking. And I know that bothers people, but that's what living by faith is. How many of you believe that you're going to have to learn to trust God? All right, I'm going to read something to you. Ecclesiastes 3.11. I want, you to, I want you to see this in your Bible because... Uh, well, it, he told us in the Bible how he operates uh, a long time ago, and, and I don't think we've ever really paid any attention to it. Um, Ecclesiastes is over here. 3.11. Look at this scripture. It's really cool. He made everything beautiful in its time, also, he has in our hearts, except no one can find the work of God from beginning to end. You don't know the end. I, I have something to say about all the prophet teachers. They don't know what they're talking about. I want you to think about this for a minute. When I was younger, everybody was talking prophecy about Europe. No one ever mentioned Iraq and Iran. You know why? They didn't know. Not until it happened. And they went, oh, that's not prophetic. Anybody can read the signs after they've happened. There's a lot of things that are going on where people are on the thing talking about the Lord showed them. Tell us that a year ago so we can believe you really hear from God. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. But I don't think, and I'm going to use a word, I don't think God's as big a blabbermouth as people say he is. And I think that he gave us prophecies not so we could tell the future, but so that when we get here we'd go, he said that would happen. I don't think anybody planned on a pandemic. I, don't, I never heard one prophet. 
mentioned pandemic anywhere, anytime. When it happened, they all went, like, wow, that was cool. Well, they didn't say that. No, they didn't. So, so God doesn't tell you everything. So um, I want to tell you a story right now, and, and um, ah, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how to do this in, in the order that I want to tell it to you. The things that God has taught me over time, you, you learn about God through doing stuff. You, you, you read books, but you really learn God walking with him. You're going to walk with him a while. So when I, I left the church here, and I loved evangelizing. Uh, I loved it so much that I decided that's what I am. Thank you all. I had a man prophesy one time at Raymond that I was a pastor, and I rebuked him. I told him, I said, you're a false prophet. I'm going to stone you. I did. I really did do that. And, and so, so I, even though I was pastoring in, when we were in the shaman center, I always liked it when someone invited me to go someplace and preach to sinners. Because if you have ever been a sinner, you have a heart for these people who just don't know. So I got an invitation to go to Cuba, and I said, well, let me pray about it. I said, okay, I'll go. I really didn't pray about it because my thought was, why would I get an invitation to go preach the gospel and it not be God? That sounds logical. So I went down to Cuba and I preached and I, and I got on a C-90 and flew back to Quesaltenango, Guatemala. And when I was down in Guatemala, I was sitting in the room right where to come home and the Lord speaks to me and says, what are you doing here? And, you know, I said to him kindly, that's kind of a stupid question. I said, you said go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, I didn't tell you to come here. I went, Shazam. I mean, I thought he'd be happy that people got saved. But that's not what he told me to do. He said, I called you to pastor. That means that while I'm down there, what's happening here? Nothing. The sheep are scattering. There's no shepherd in the pulpit. I'm somewhere else. Where I'm not supposed to be. Well, he chewed me out. Now, that's not the only chewing I've ever had. You want to hear the other one? I'm, just, I'm telling you this because you can handle him chewing me out, but leave you alone. But, but before I started pastoring this church and before I, there was a season, and I married Lisa, before I ever started pastoring, before I ever started flying to the, to the Bahamas, that I was working a secular job, and I really wanted to know what the will of God for my life was. I really was seeking God. And Lisa and I had a little two-bedroom uh, house over there in Indian Hills. And, and, um, and so I'd, get, I'd come home every day from work, and I'd go in the room, and I'd take a shower and eat, lunch, eat dinner with Lisa and go in there and just sit down and pray in the Holy Ghost about what is it you want me to do. Well, one of those days, I was, I was in my truck, and I'm driving down Overland. And the Lord said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? Well, he kind of made me mad again. And I'm like, what do you think I've been asking you? And I said, what do you want me to do? 
And I'm a little frustrated at him, at his question. And he said, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. And I said, no. I said, I don't know what you're going to say. I might not want to do what you want me to do. Y'all looking at me like a dog at a new bowl. Now, I want you to tell you something. If you're not in the will of God, you're miserable. And I was miserable. And that's called divine dissatisfaction. God puts you in a miserable place so you can suffer a while. So that you'll finally start praying and say, I'll go where you say go. And finally, I broke down, and, and I just wept over my steering wheel, and I said, God, I'm afraid to tell you I'll do what you want me to do. And he said these words to me. Well, I said this to him. I said, I have a family. Now, I had married Lisa and started a second family. I had already lost the first one. And I kind of thought God was partly responsible for that. I'm obeying God and my family packs it up and they're gone. I got another one. I ain't losing this one. Can, are y'all all right? So you understand, I, I understand when we talk about obeying God. It's, it's not an easy thing. Oh yeah, I'll just follow you wherever you say no. Uh-uh. No, sir. And I just wept over my steering wheel and I just poured my heart out to God and I said, I'm afraid to obey you. And he said these words real gently. He said, trust me, I know you have family. And, and I realized right then that he really cared about my family and me. But he also wouldn't let me in on anything until I agreed. Now, some of y'all are sitting here praying about the will of God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You're going to have to tell him you'll do it. Or he won't talk to you at all. You make all the plans you want to make. And they might be wrong. And we got a whole generation of young people sitting over there. And they've all got plans. And about three quarters of it is no more God than I'm an astronaut. They're about to marry somebody they don't know. Don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know, you want to walk up and say something, but they're like, hey, old man. All right, remember that. Are y'all out there? I'm not. Yeah, and they do it to you too, so don't you look at me in that tone of voice. Go to Matthew 20, 16. I want to, listen, I want, I want to make a statement here, and I want you to never forget what I'm fixing to say. Faith totally abandons self to the will of God. If you haven't abandoned yourself to the will of God, you're not walking by faith. He says, I want you to pack it up and go to, to where I show you. Just get the camel ready. Am I doing all right, Frank? Matthew 16. I'm going to read this. This is almost, I don't know anybody I've ever heard preach this. I don't know anybody I've ever heard preach this. But I want to read it to you, and I want you to read it to you in the, right, in the right way. And Jesus said to disciples, if anyone desires to let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. 
And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in his glory and his Father with his angels. And he will reward each one according to his works. Now listen. Now just listen to what I'm about to say. Because I want to explain where Christians are. Faith does not self-preservate. Did you hear that? Yeah, but what about, but, but, but what about? Now, now, I want you to think about this. Until you're ready to die, you're not going to live. Now, now, I don't mean that if you get in the will of God, you're going to die. But you're going to think you're going to die. And, and so as long as you're preserving your life, you'll never get in the will of God. If you get sick, go to the doctor because God ain't talking to you. And I know that may make you mad. If you get broke, go to the bank. Because when he looks at you and says, Father, I need money. And he says, well, give more. You're going to go, uh, I think we've agreed I'm broke. And it's going to appear to you is that what, obeying God, you're going to go broker. Because you can't take $100 when you owe 150 and give 10 of it away and be better off. Except God. But that's exactly what he will say to you. It'll get quiet in here. And often the thing that he'll ask you to do will appear to be the death of you. Let's go back to another story. Ten years ago they gave me a year to live. I had made a bunch of people in Russia a commitment, I'd come preach. I didn't tell Lisa. I didn't want to put it on her. Well, I went down to the store. Am I on? Did my mic go off? I'm, just, I'm on. I didn't tell Lisa, but I went and got Jordan some winter clothes. And I took him to Siberia with me. And I got on one of those James Bond trains with little sleeper rooms. The James Bond's always fighting somebody in. And they stop at every little town. When they do, they close the bathrooms down. There's a reason for that. And I just chugga, 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 chugga right up to all the way to the North Pole. Stopping in towns and preaching the gospel and getting people saved. And, and I had given those men my word and I knew I was in the will of God. But I slept all day and preached and went back to bed. And I was hanging on the ragged edge of being dead in the perfect will of God. Are y'all, I mean, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die obeying God. I mean, I'm not going to die at home. I'm going to die obeying God. So, but I didn't. That's right. Amen. Thank you all. I'm going to come over here. Why would God get rid of somebody who's obeying him? But if I went home and laid down and waited to get well, I probably wouldn't be here. Is that too much for y'all? God's not going to, see, if you're a giver, God ain't getting rid of you. He's going to keep you around. If you're obedient, he's going to keep you around. Amen. 
Now I came home and recovered, got better and better and better, and I'm better and better and better now. Now listen to this. Faith ignores self-preservation in exchange for God-preservation. Who's keeping you? It better be God. And the only way you know he's keeping you are you obeying him because it's going to look like if you obey him, uh, Lord, I don't know what he's going to be doing next. I mean, what's he going to ask me to do next? Amen. Um, did you know that when you get married, it's the death of you? It is. You have tied yourself to another person. And I'm going to say this, come hell or high water. Now, we can talk about the benefits. And there are benefits to being married. But you understand, you just made a vow to one person to tell them where you are Come home at night, take them on vacation with you, and you're going to lay your life down for that person. Well, look at me in that tone. That's what marriage is. And if you've got a good one, they'll lay their life down for you. Then it's give, give. You could have a give, take. Or you could have a take-take. That's called hell. But marriage, we're talking about this in the, in the classes of blood covenant. It's a covenant. When you were born again, Jesus gave, he tied himself to you. He's tied to you. You may not understand what I'm fixing to say, but when we take communion, do you really know what you're doing? You're tying yourself to his will. I'll say it again because I know that went over like a lead balloon. See, the, the re, there, there's a benefit to being in communion with God. Everything that's his is yours. But you may not understand this, but everything that's yours is his. And he's got rights. Where you go and what you do and how you spend your money and where you live and who you marry, whether you like it or not. Oh, baby boy. So communion, and people say, oh, we want communion more often. Do you, do you really know what you're doing? You're saying your marriage vows over again. I will go where you say go. I will do what you say do. I will cook for you. I will clean for you. I will preach for you. I will pastor for you. I will live where you say live. I will do what you say do. I will be the man you want me to be, Jesus. Now that, that's missing in Christianity. Because this is a one-sided marriage. Now let's use a word and I'm not, I'm trying to be very kind. In, in the book of James, it calls the church a bunch of adulteresses because Jesus is faithful and his church is not. And they're like, what's wrong with God? 
Now, he might be jealous. The problem with the American Christianity is we want Jesus without a cross. We want heaven without repentance, prosperity without giving, and the blessing without obedience and health without holiness. It doesn't work, guys. Thank y'all. Let me tell you a story about money. When I lived in Athens, Georgia before, am I boring y'all because I don't want to. When I lived in Athens and I was raising money to go to Ramah, which I wanted to do, it's going to take me $3,000 to drive out of town. And I had $500 saved up. It, it was all I could do to get that money. And the Lord said to me one day, you know your mom doesn't have a car. And I, I told him, I said, well, I'll pray for her. But my attitude was, she's a big girl, and she's broke because she misspends her money, and maybe it'd do her good to walk a little bit. I mean, just bad attitude. I know it. You know, you just because you get saved don't mean never you know everything. And so the Lord brought it up again, and he says, and he says, why, you know, why are you going to Raymond? And I, and I thought, well, to preach. He said, preach what? I said, the Bible. He said, why? You don't live it? I went, that's love. See, I'm wondering why all you people that hear from God aren't hearing the same corrections I'm getting all the time. I mean, I'm hearing words from the Lord, and sometimes I'm going, ah. Always got something to say to me, and they always nice. So I took my five hundred dollars and I bought my mom a car. Now, what's that look like to you? I ain't going to school. But is God sending me, or am I sending me? Well, it better be God. And if it's God, I don't have a money problem. So right after that, the uh, the young lady uh, Debbie. Um, her last name is it was Christensen now it's Wallace I got to meet her the other day I led her to the Lord 40 years ago resident manager of the apartment complex she came over my sisters and I spent about an hour just talking to her and all that and she's online on Sundays maybe Wednesdays I don't know and found us online but anyway led led, led her to the Lord and and you know she came to me and she says I was a brick apartment complex, but it had wooden shutters, wooden doors, and wooden gable ends. It was five buildings. And they said, they'll give you $1,500 to paint it. I went, I'll do that. And it took me about a month to paint the whole thing. I did it with a brush. All the Everything was black. And then I had a piece of property down by the land that I was going to move on to. Mine, my inheritance. And I sold it for $1,500. And within about four weeks, I'm sitting there with three grand in my wallet. Now, see, are y'all getting this? I'm not sending me. If he's, he's got to be God. At some point, he's got to be God. So obedience means you think he's God. Disobedience means you think you are. So it was very hard for me to obey God and give my mom my money. Because now I've just given up my whole next year of life. I didn't just give, I mean, he actually asked me to do it. 
And, and so I gave it. And finally, when I gave it, I was willing and I got my attitude straight. But I know what it's like to sit there with no money and have no idea where in the world it's coming from. And I've already told my boss I'm quitting. And I don't have a dime. Now, see, that's called faith. And I mean, finally, when the money came in, I, I drove to Tulsa, paid my Rama bill, got an apartment, and went broke. Just like God. And, I, and he paid all the bills, and I made it all the way through school, and I never had extra until he said, go to Orlando. And supernaturally, money came in. I said, why don't you do that more often? <laughs> um, are you all all right? How's, how am I for time? I, Oh, we got 10, 15 minutes. We're good. Hebrews chapter 5. Someone say something because you're, you're scaring me a little bit. Y'all are awfully quiet with me tonight. You're just like, oh, if I don't know he's going to preach in obedience, we, we should have stayed home tonight and listen to obeying God. But listen to me. When God told Elijah, go to the brook Cherith, ravens were there to feed him. Every place God sends you, provision is there ahead of you. God made the garden before he made Adam in preparation. But if you're at another brook, you can pray all you want to provision. But the ravens are bringing the brook to Cherith, and that's what God said. So what happened to my ministry in the Bahamas? No more money came. The ravens quit bringing me food, and I had to quit. I didn't want to. But it's hard to fly an airplane when you ain't got no money. But yet the finances came through word of life. And I just kind of got under the spout where the blessings were falling out. And I thought, well, this must be God. There's money here. Not a lot at first, but there was some. We didn't die of starvation. At least I don't appear to be. <laughs> now listen, listen to this scripture. So Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but, he, but it was he who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he said, in another place, you're a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. That's Jesus. Don't think that everywhere God sends you is going to be easy. It's not. You know how we avoid problems? If we even think there's a problem ahead, we'll get off that road and get on another one. I mean, when I saw this church, I wanted to run for the hills. This place was full of problems. How many of you have ever had a job and you walked in and went, I got a job, and after a week you went, I don't believe I got this job. This place is hell on earth. I mean, good God almighty. It doesn't mean that you're not, listen, if you're in the will of God, and I'm going to say this to you, your flesh will suffer. Mm 
I didn't say you would. You might. That's your problem. But if you're in the will of God, your flesh is going to get rub beat. Thank y'all. And it's going to be tough. And I'm saying that because we got a lot of people right now decided the best way out of this pandemic, go home and just hide in the closet. Well, I could die of it. Yeah, and you could live too. Why don't you go get someone saved and die in the will of God? If Jesus suffered, I'm pretty sure you're going to. That doesn't mean, how many of you are married? Any of you ever suffered? You know, I was convinced a week after I married Lisa, I missed God. And one of the ways I knew I missed God is she looked at me and says, I've missed God. And we agreed. And then we looked at our wedding bands and said, well, let's work it out. It, I, I, folks, listen, if you want friends, it's, it's, not, it's not easy to have friends. It's not easy to be married. It's not easy to go and, and stay in a church. It's not easy. There's some goofy people in this building. There's some strange people walk into churches. You know that. They just, I, I've called Doug before and said, Doug, I got somebody I think you need to come get. He said, oh, no, I sent him. I'm going to make a statement here. Bible school students are the worst. I want to work in a church if it's easy. I'll work in the altar if it's easy. I'll work in the sound booth if it's easy. I'll even work in the nursery if there's no kids in there. Now, that's why I said this, because you get a Bible school student, they walk in and go, I don't work in a church, and you give them a job, and they come back next week and go, you got another one? Because it's not easy. Anything you do is not going to be easy. Why do you keep running from something because it ain't easy? You, you know, I want to be married, but I want it to be easy. <laughs> now, let's, let's just get real. Why do you think people live together? I want to be able to run out of here if I need to. Oh, don't shout me down. And I'm telling you what, I'm glad that Lisa stuck with me, even though it took me years to get her straightened out. It, I'm really glad she stayed. Wow. How many of y'all believe that was mutual? Folks, I'm going to tell you something, a lot goes into it. But I'll tell you what, and I told Mary Fran this one day, I said, I about got her straightened out. And Lisa and Mary Fran slowed the car down and said, well, let's just shove him out in the interstate right here. <laughs> Amen. How many of you know even having a friend, sometimes it tests you? Isaiah 1.19.
biggest hindrance to obedience is fear. That's going to be your biggest hindrance. You're going to have to conquer the fear. And, 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 and you'll have fears. Isaiah 119, I've got to find it. How many of you know Lisa thinks that was a mutual, that she really had a lot of work to do in me? You know, she taught me English. One of the hardest ones was learning what the, trying to teach her what the word rent meant. She says, what's rent? I said, you rent the biscuit. She said, she said, spell it. I said, I don't think they can, I don't think there is a spelling for that word. I tell you, another shock was finding out the word Pacific is an ocean. You know, you have a Pacific job to do. God, me and Lisa's dating time was a ball because she's always stopping like an English teacher going, well, let's back up a minute here and let's find out what, that, what the English word for that is. So we had a lot of fun dating. It was, we, had, we had a lot of fun. Isaiah 119, I want to read this. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good land. There's no other reason to worship God than that. When you get in his will, I'll guarantee you one day he's going to work it out. Amen. It may appear at times as though you're, you're suffering. It may appear tough. And there's times that you'll grow up in the will of God. You'll grow up. You work with people, and they're not always easy to work with. And I mean, sometimes you ask yourself, why am I doing this? And I've asked myself that many times, Pastor, and I, I would go home and go, why, why am I even doing this? I mean, I can get a job, clock in and clock out and go home. I don't have to be stopping in the middle of my vacation to go bury somebody. And I told people, stop dying on my vacation. But they do it anyway, just rebellious as they can be. So I quit telling people when I'm going on vacation so you can't plan the day you die. <laughs> Jody will tell you Marshall died while I was on vacation. They just, I'm, I'm, I'm gone and he's going, Betty, is he gone? Yeah, I'm, and he died. I said, I, I said, so are you going home? I'm going to go kill him. <laughs> no, not really. They called me and says, we're not going to do the funeral until you get back. And just, you know, and the May family was very gracious with me. But I'm going to tell you something. Being in the perfect will of God has been a blessing. I mean, everything I've ever desired to do, God has given me the opportunity to do it. He's answered every prayer. He's healed me when I got sick. He's answered prayer. Folks, there's nothing like the perfect will of God. And, I, and I'm going to highly encourage you to begin praying now, even though you might have an idea what you think you want to do. Take it to God and ask him. If you don't know the will of God, you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't stop and do nothing. Amen. God cannot handle a bicycle that's not moving. Just move. He'll, he can direct it. But, but whenever you're getting, make changes. Take it to God and pray about it. Don't just, and don't ever change because it's trouble. Don't run. Don't run from trouble. You... They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And I mean, there's times that it's trouble because you are out of the will of God. There's definitely trouble. And you're miserable inside and you need to go back and do what you're supposed to do. 
We've had a couple people come to this church before, and they came and said, you know, I left my last church wrong. And I said, well, go back. We left wrong. I said, well, go, on, go back. Go back over there. Because you need to get it right with God. You need to make sure you're where you need to be. Amen? Amen. Now, the will of God is perfect. There's a Jeremiah 29. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. Everything you've ever wanted is in his will. Now, let's look back on my life now. Do you think I benefited moving here? Yeah. Yeah. Even though I didn't like the smell, it was a good move to come here. And even though uh, I met Lisa, and I told her, I said, boy, if I'd just known you were in the, I'd have shouted a long time ago. <laughs> After I took this church, the reason I complained is because working with people is difficult. But I'm telling you, this has been one of the best things that I've ever done in my life, pastor of this church. And I'm glad he asked me to do it. At first, I'm like, because I didn't feel qualified, I didn't feel up to it, and I thought it would be difficult, and it was difficult. I wanted it to be easy. I want you to do something right now. If, if you're, Brother Hagin said, when you're out of the will of God, you feel like you're washing your feet with your socks on. Just, you're, they're not getting, you're washing them, and they're not getting clean. And it may not be anything but something small. And when you're in the will of God, there's a peace. I don't mean that everything's good. I mean there's a peace inside. Now, I got enough time. I'm going to tell this story. When I met Lisa, I'm 11 years older than Lisa, and I have kids. And I went to her, and I said, you know, we talked about the fact that we really felt that we were getting, supposed to get married, and we were real good friends. And I knew that she was going to have to pray it out. She's going to have to pray about it. And she said that she went off and prayed and thought, you know, he's married, he's got kids, and that's not what I wanted. I mean, that's not what I planned on. And a lot of things that were negative. She said she just prayed about it one night. She said, I woke up the next morning with such a peace. I know that I know that I know he's the one. I knew it, but she needed to know it. And then from then on, we never debated it again. We just began to make plans. And I want you to learn something. Follow your heart. Learn to take the time and follow the inward witness, what's going on on the inside of you. If the Lord's leading you to make a change, and sometimes he'll tell you, I want you to make a change. I want you to go do something else. And other people will look at you and say, that was right, that's right, that's right. You know, when you do it, and they'll, they'll confirm you're, you're in the will of God. That's correct. But, you know, don't ever be afraid of missing it. God knows how to get you back where you're supposed to be. I had a neighbor next door that moved away to North Carolina. A few years later, they moved right back to Orlando. They weren't supposed to leave at all. I hired my brother-in-law, Mark Ramos, to come to work for me. When long, he was back in Virginia. God has a real neat way when you leave wrong to get you back. You're like, well. I wasn't planning on being back, but I am back now. Amen. So don't ever be afraid if someone you know or you miss it. God's a big God. And he, know, he knows how to turn you. He, he took good care of Jonah. Not that you're looking for a well or anything. Does this help y'all?
I want you to say this with my mouth. Say, say it with your mouth. Say, Heavenly Father, I choose to be willing and obedient. And I realize you have a plan for me. I want to be in the middle of it. I realize also that my flesh may not like it. But I'll like it because I want to be under the spout where the blessing's coming out. In Jesus' name. Very often, young people do things because parents and grandparents put pressure on them. You should go to this school. You should do this. You should do that. My mother-in-law called me into the pastorate. Lisa will tell you this is true. And we started a church called the Jubilee Center. I hated it. And one day I had to look at Lisa's mom and said, Martha, you have to shut up. Honest to God, you've got to be quiet. I can't hear from God listening to you. And I can't follow you. I got to know that I know what God wants me to do. And we shut that church down. And I went off after that and began to pray. And I let God lead me to where he wanted me to be. Boy, it's a whole lot better to follow God than your mother-in-law. I'll just tell you that right now. And Zach said, amen. Even though people will give you advice, pray. Seek God. Follow your heart. If you miss it, just go, well, I missed it. If your kids miss it, and I know Melanie's been concerned about this. What about Caleb? God's a big God. You can take care of your kids. You know, my daughter Ashley's going to be moving back to Tampa. I hate it. I've so loved her being here. The way she jumped up and helped Lisa with the last women's meeting, I'm like, God, Jesus, thank, oh, I don't want her to go. But I'm going to trust God. Of course, she doesn't know it, but I'm calling her back. back in the name of Jesus. Father God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for giving us insight in the Word. This, this generation, as a generation, we need to come back to learning how to follow you go where you say go and do what you say do. So much provision, so much grace is in your will. I pray everybody in the sound of my voice would, would be in the middle of your will. Going where you say go and doing what you say do. And Father God, everything just seems to work out so much smoother when we're following you. And I thank you for every person in this room that if they are out of it, they'll get back. And if they're in it, they'll have a peace to stay in it. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. amen and amen. Y'all are precious to preach to. Thank you for coming to church. God bless all of you. I'm glad I'm here.